0: Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values.
1: Today on the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we have a real treat. Uh, oh my
0: gosh, we're so excited.
1: This pumped, hard to sleep last night, excited about this conversation because it's going to do a lot to bring America together and to uh, enlighten a lot of people. He's is been around in every phase of american politics over the last few decades going back to the reagan administration mm-hmm. don't be fooled by his childish looking appearance uh, he's also the the host of the dinesh d'souza podcast filmmaker author dinesh d'souza Yay!
2: Welcome! Hey, thank you very much i i appreciate it i'm delighted to be
1: joining you guys you you, you almost have that uh like maybe like one of those vampire kind of things where you just kind of ageless, yeah, you know, exactly. kind of kind of keep going. At some point, that's got to catch up with you.
2: Debbie and I call it fooling the American public, which, like you say, you can do for a short while, but not 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 in the long term.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I I love it. Keep taking your vitamins and everything. It's working. The thing I want to ask you right out of the gate mm. today, because you 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 grab this better than anyone I've ever heard speak on the topic of the left typically dominates in in, in issues by using narrative. Mm. And a story that's it's hard to even argue with, you know, whether it's pro-life or the economy, many issues. And, and the right typically comes at it with with facts and spreadsheets yeah. and kind of a punch in the in the, in the mouth. And they, they tend to win the narrative mm-hmm. argument, which somewhere in, in the process of, of your you know, political analysis, you've shifted in a way of merging the two in a really beautiful way. But talk about historically what you've noticed on that on narrative versus fact
2: well the the left uh, constructs a story about america and um their politics sort of flow out of that so their story might be something like this Uh, america was started by a bunch of evil slave owners they spent decades if not centuries exploiting other people Uh, then came a series of liberationist movements against this kind of uh, entrenched um, oppressive Uh, upper class, uh, that was the civil war, the civil rights movement, and now things like the the gay rights movement, the trans movement. So you can see here that they've got a narrative. Mm -hmm. The narrative may be bogus, but nevertheless, it is a story of American history, and it has a a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. So for the left, the beginning is bad, and the glorious days are in the future. That's why they call themselves progressives. They are making progress, Mm -hmm. but what progress in what direction? Well, progress away from the American founding. Mm -hmm. So you can't beat a narrative just by poking holes in it with facts. You need a counter narrative. And um, I discovered this uh, not just in my books, which do attempt to do that, but even more so in films, because Mm -hmm. a film doesn't work if it's not a narrative. A film is a journey. Mm -hmm. It's a story. Uh, A book can work a little bit more like a legal brief, but a film needs to be, uh, has to have, even if it's nonfiction, even if it's a documentary, it has to have some of the same ingredients of fiction, which Mm -hmm. is to say interesting characters, suspense, what's going to come next, a sense of anticipation, uh, and then ideally some kind of consummation or some kind of bringing it all together at the end, uh, and I make sure to do that in all my films. So true. And it moves you
0: emotionally It uses more of your senses. So it does tend to move you more emotionally. It seems and
1: they've and they've used that to push bad ideas. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to argue with when you have an outlier on, say, an argument for pro-life. You know, it's like, oh, well, I, I don't even want to argue with you about that or on racism or, you mm-hmm. know, some of some of these things where it's really magnified is the conversations people have on college campuses, whether it's a, oh, yes. a, a, a prove me wrong tent set mm-hmm. up on a college campus or yourself or Ben Shapiro. When those are, are filmed, um, you, you see the narrative coming from the students in the way they've gotten. And it's compelling but then, you know, it's, it's, it's countered, you know, in a, in a way that sometimes is effective, sometimes is abrasive. I find that narratives, uh, may, you might get compliance out of just guilt. Like, Oh, I don't really agree with that, but oh, I really hate to argue with this person's point facts sometimes, you know, can be abrasive and just create an argument, you know, whether it's, a you know, police shootings or or some of these things you counter back with facts and it just kind of escalates. You have a way, whether you're speaking on a college campus or every time that you're you're, you're communicating a point though, not even just in the film, yeah. when you communicate, it's always a fact wrapped in a narrative, kind of a little honey to help that pill go down. And people seem to get it. Even, even the most angry college students tend to kind of like at least walk it away like, oh, that makes sense. Because you, you merge them in a way that no one else does.
2: I think what happens is when somebody has a narrative and you sometimes need to begin by throwing that narrative into question because they're not likely to swap the lens out of the camera and pick up a new narrative unless they feel that something is really wrong with the one they've already got. I mean, think of, for example, why someone might convert to Christianity. They've got a narrative. And that is that I'm in charge of my life. I want to be the best me. And then they do all this and they discover they arrive at some miserable place where Mm -hmm. being themselves didn't really work. And then they go, well, you know what? Maybe I need to think of it completely differently. And and then the possibility of another way to look at it Uh, let's just say, a narrative in which you are not central, um, in which God loves you, but God comes to the center, uh, is able to displace the old narrative. So in politics, it's very much the same thing, that you have a student, he's got some idea about the world. Very often, it's not anchored in experience. So a student will Mm -hmm. think, all our institutions are racially biased. And you know, the student has never taken a police sergeant's exam or he's never taken the civil service exam. He has no idea what he means when he says such nonsensical Mm -hmm. things. You've got to start by deflating that, that narrative a little bit. And then you, just at the point where he's beginning to lose his confidence, you present the possibility of a rival narrative. Now, it's very hmm. rare that the student goes, you know what? You're right. I convert. Uh, rather, the student's <laughs> going to still fight back, but they're going to go home and think, yeah, you know what? I, I'm a little uncomfortable with how that went. I didn't really feel like I vindicated my... So then they begin the slow process of reexamination. examination. Yeah. This is really how a change of heart takes place.
1: That yeah. is huge. And with your with your narratives you've had in the past, you've wrapped in incredible movies. I'd like to pull up kind of a list of some of them because you know Trump Card. We were so excited the day this came out. <laughs> I, we pulled, we went through our, we did a search at our, our uh, uh, you know, we posted this, the day it came. out. we were so excited counting the days till this came out. Trailers are fantastic. You create a, a product that's mm-hmm. as good as anything out there. But you know, going back through these, you know, in, you know, Infidel and Death of a Nation and Hillary's America and you know. It, it's not just enraging people to engage people. You actually, you know, create really compelling, you know, mm-hmm. factual based you know, narratives mixed in of the work you've done in the past from Trump card on through. What do you feel has been the most effective at accomplishing that of, 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 of a new narrative laced with facts all blurred together?
2: Well, uh, you know, I'm looking at the screen in front of me and um, my Obama movie was the first one I did. And that was a runaway success. And I mm-hmm. think the reason that worked is because uh, people didn't really understand where Obama was coming from, even right. though he was about to run for his second term. I mean, this movie came out in 2012. So it, it was after Obama was already in office. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I went to Hawaii and Indonesia and Kenya. I kind of followed the Obama trail and I made the, presented the idea that it wasn't so much that Obama was born abroad, but that he had somehow assimilated a foreign ideology, the kind of dreams from his father that he talks about in his own uh, memoir, and I was able to demonstrate that, and also demonstrate a lot of the contradictions and hypocrisy in Obama, which of course made him very angry. He's a pretty vindictive, narcissistic type, mm. and so I paid a little bit of a price for that um, later. Uh, that's one of my m- most memorable movies. Mm. My m- movie called America: Imagine a World Without. Or I think I think if someone wants to know what the case for and against America is. What is American exceptionalism and what is a kind of rational understanding of it? That's about as good a movie to do that. And of course, I'm very excited about the new movie, which takes on the biggest, most ambitious topic of all, 2000 Mules.
0: So true. In fact, let's do this. Let's go ahead and watch the trailer of that. And then when we come back, let's talk about the making of that and then the details so people can find out how they can watch it as well. We'll be right back.
2: We have put together,
3: I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Let me say it again.
1: The 2020 election was the most secure election in American history.
2: Let me begin by asking a very simple question. Do we know the truth about what really happened in the 2020 election? I think millions of Americans know something went
3: wrong and they have little pieces and no one's really put it together. I'm agnostic on this question and I I am awaiting more information. If I believed the president were a Nazi, I might steal an election. Bold accusations require bold evidence and they haven't seen it. We have been working on something big. Show me the money. Can we meet? I've been working with Greg Phillips. He has a deep background in election intelligence. True the Vote has the largest store of election intelligence for the 2020 elections in the world. No one has more data than we do. We identified in Atlanta 242 mules that went to an average of 24 drop boxes. But Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules. What is a mule?
1: person picking up ballots and running them to the drop boxes.
3: This is not grandma out walking her dog. Bad backgrounds, bad reputations. They are interested in one thing, that's money.
1: And in no shape, in no way, in no time is that legal.
3: This is organized crime. Do you have video evidence? Four million minutes of surveillance video around the country.
2: What you're about to see is disturbing.
0: So this is uh, 1 o'clock in the morning.
3: Don't we all vote at 1 o'clock in the morning?
0: <laughs> one night, this person, this mule, went across six counties to 27 different drop boxes.
3: I call it the Mexican mafia, seriously, because uh, they, they work like that. This is jaw-dropping. What you showed is frightening. It's just sickening to
2: me. Now we come to the most important question of all, was the magnitude of vote trafficking enough to tip the balance in the 2020 presidential
3: election? It's not a leap to say this would have made a difference.
1: They have ruined election day in the United States of America. That's provable. And that's enough for me to fight the left with every fiber in my body.
2: Without free and fair elections, we are not a democracy. We are a criminal cartel masquerading as a democracy. 2,000
1: Mules. In select theaters, May 2nd and 4th. Virtual premiere, May 7th. Stream, May 8th at Salem Now or Locals. Wow, great, great trailer. That is I, I was, such a
2: great from
0: trailer.
1: From a filmmaking standpoint, I was like this this shot you have in all of them of kind of you walking in a street and they kind of film you and you look kind of perplexed and you're kind of chewing on an issue. It's a, it's a great way to kind of get mm-hmm. inside your mind and you begin looking at these issues like from the other side of your eyes out. I see that in all of your all of your films. Uh what's interesting is this is a hot topic. This is, is. controversial. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're one of the last people still standing talking about this, holding out hope for examination of truth in, in the 2020 election.
2: Yeah, the, the election has been surrounded by a lot of uh, dogmatic assertion that cannot be substantiated. And by the way, this is coming from the left as much as from the right. So mm-hmm. let's look at the left. This is the most secure election in history, to which I reply, how do you know? How do you know it's the most secure? Well, where's your proof of election fraud? Well, let's say I have none does it make it the most secure election in history? How do I know it's more secure than 2016 or, or 2012 or 2008 or 2004? Have you done a comparison of the amount of fraud in each of those elections to show me that mm. this one had the least? No one's even attempted this. So when I see all these election officials you know, stating this stuff, I go, you guys are making irrational statements with nothing to back them up, and then right. the media treats it like the gospel truth, yep. calls anyone who questions it a big lie and proceeds mm-hmm. to censor you. So the sheer obtuse irrationality of it is really maddening. And that's why I finally Mm -hmm. said, look, You know, even on the right, I suspect people suspect fraud, but they can't put their finger on it. And so once I um, connected with this organization called True the Vote, an election kind of intelligence organization, and they had some really powerful evidence, I said to myself, look, this is the way to go. This will make a really interesting movie. This is a way to Mm -hmm. take all this dogmatism and show what really happened in the 2020 election.
0: I love it. So people go to 2000mules.com. You have two actually uh, that are coming out. T- today is one, May the 2nd, a premiere week, and then uh, Wednesday, May the 4th at Select Theaters. But they still need to purchase their tickets by coming to 2000mules.com. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, you can't get the... We've rented out these theaters, so you can't get tickets at the theater. You got to buy them off the website. Quite in all honesty, almost all these theaters are sold out, I'm sorry to say, but don't freak yeah. out. Because on Saturday, May 7th, there's an in-home virtual premiere. People all around the country, you buy a ticket on the website, you get an access code, you log in, you mm-hmm. click. You can watch the movie. There's a live Q&A to follow. Wow. And all of this is for the price of a movie ticket. So I would recommend checking out the virtual premiere. Uh, there's a tab on the website. You can't miss it. And it's 2000mules.com. It's the number 2000mules.com.
1: Two zero 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 mules If you listen mm-hmm. on, on Apple or Podbean or one of the audio places, mm-hmm. all the links will be down below links to the trailer, links to Dinesh's website, even links to uh, Dinesh's Twitter account, who almost single handedly kept Twitter interesting and relevant True. after Trump's <laughs> absence till now. Uh, I, I've joked that Twitter has been a lot like 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 a, a, a bunch of a bunch of young single guys going to a bar that doesn't allow women. You know, when they got rid of, you know, all, all conservative thought, President Trump and stuff included. But you, you have kept kept it relevant during this time and, and made it still interesting. So that's at Dinesh D. Souza on Twitter. Great follow. Great place to be.
0: Dinesh, let me ask you a question. Obviously, 2016, the Obama uh, and everything, and everything that that entailed for you and uh, the consequences of making that do you have any concern? Because this is obviously extremely controversial. This is something that they are not wanting the information to get out there. Are you concerned for, you, for yourself or your family during this time?
2: Not really. I mean, I am concerned. I'm a little careful. I also am um, kind of watching it in all spheres of life. I say this because what had happened in 2012 was I had given money over the campaign finance limit to a college friend of mine. I kind of got enthusiastic about her campaign. I tried to help her out. But little did I know I was putting a big target on my back. Because when you annoy Obama, the most powerful man in the world, Mm -hmm. the empire is going to strike back. Mm -hmm. I should have known that. I should have expected it. Uh, This time, I do expect it. Uh, I think there's a certain safety in being a truth teller right on the front line, because, hey, if something happens to me tomorrow, my movie is just coming out. I I don't think it's too hard for people to make the connection of not only not only what happened, but who's behind it.
1: That is very true. Absolutely. Um, In in watching this movie, do you think that. This is an opportunity to bring people together. I mentioned earlier, you know, the difference between narratives and facts. And when you merge them together, it can actually enlighten people uh, with a new idea for change to take place. It has to be their idea, which kind of comes from somebody planting a seed moving forward. But do you think this is an opportunity that people could use whatever relational equity they have Mm -hmm. with a nephew, with a brother-in-law, with somebody and say, hey, let's sit down and watch this together and see where we come to. Do you see, is this an opportunity to create bridges, to create connections in something that's typically only created divides? You know, I
2: think it can be. And let me tell you why. Um, We, um, in this movie, we have um, five of the leading Salem media hosts Uh, We have um, Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Charlie Kirk, Sebastian Gorka, uh, Eric Metaxas. Now, out of those, Eric Metaxas and Gorka were pretty convinced at the outset that the election was stolen but Larry Elder, no, Charlie Kirk, no, mm-hmm. and Dennis Prager, not at all. In fact, Dennis Prager was a little reluctant to even attend. He's wow. like, listen, I'm, I'm coming, but I'm I'm an agnostic. That's his phrase. Yeah. So one thing I did in the movies, I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of having these guys be pundits who kind of come in and see the movie and then comment on it, I'm going to start talking to them before we see, before we see the evidence. We're just going to talk we're going to lay out all our different positions what is it that we know now mm. all right now let's look at the evidence of the movie but as you're looking at it, we're going to be filming you, getting your spontaneous reaction, getting the questions oh, that inevitably rise: what's going on? Why is that guy wearing gloves? Is it because of COVID? So yeah. the discussion, yeah. the kind of questions that the audience has watching the movie are in the movie. And so it allows you to uh it allows you to process this information in which the facts can then be put in some sort of context. So this is not a highly polemical film that's trying mm-hmm. to drive a point home. There's no shout in the movie. It's measured, it's thoughtful, it's kind of like the old 60 minutes and the audience in a sense Mm -hmm. becomes uh, the eyewitness and the jury.
0: That's so good. This is a topic that's highly censored as well. You know, we had a YouTube channel. One of our strikes came from talking about the election and everything that happened in 2020. And they came back with, they said that we had to say, anytime you talked about the election, you had to say it was the most secure election of all time on YouTube if you were going to be talking about that or you were going to get a strike. In
1: quotes. Yeah. If we reference it, we have to also say, you know, it was also the safest and most secure election in U.S. history, which, yeah. which I think is a bombastic statement by itself. That's like saying, it's,
2: it's a flat out lie. And I, I I honestly submit that by the time this movie has made its rounds, the left will stop saying that. Because the reason is if mm-hmm. they say that with a straight face, people will start laughing because once you've seen video after video of these mules jumping out of cars in the middle of the night, stuffing yeah. ballots one after the other into Dropbox boxes, something, quite honestly, this is footage no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, And when you look at it, you can see that you are witnessing a criminal circuit, an organized criminal circuit in the key states that decided the election. So my prediction is the left will try to move to sort of more clever and nuanced arguments. Yeah, Dinesh, but these were legal votes that were merely (laughs) cast in an illegal way. And we'll get all that kind of stuff. But the uh, the old nonsense about this being the most secure election in history is going to go out the window.
0: Man, that is great to hear. And that's our job. You know, obviously you're being censored. It's being squashed as much as they can possibly do it. So this information doesn't get out there. That's where our job is Mm -hmm. um, as patriots to share this information, to tell everyone, go to 2000mules.com. You can watch it there. Uh, You can even go to the theaters if it's at all possible to get the tickets for tonight or the fourth. And Dinesh, we are so thankful for what you're doing to help get this information out there and making more people aware.
2: I really appreciate it. It's it's, um, you know, without without free elections and fair elections, we're really a criminal, uh, you know, cartel masquerading Mm -hmm. as a Mm -hmm. democracy. and And nothing less than that is what is at stake here.
0: That is exactly
1: right. Well, Flavor family. Do your work, put your Mm -hmm. thumbs to work, share this message directly as a text message to friends and family. Don't depend on the social media algorithms to work, you know, forever in your favor, because they may not send this directly to the people that you care about. Each of us have a pocket of influence Mm -hmm. and it's getting this message directly to people that you least want to have a more intelligent and a more informed conversation. Dinesh, I thank you so much for your work and all that you do to, to bring truth uh, to a kind of a confusing time in our, our country's history.
2: Thank you very much. It really means a lot, guys. Thanks
1: so much.
0: Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking what are you going to do about your finances?
1: If you went back to 1920 and you had a $20 bill and you had 1 ounce of gold, you could go into a men's clothing store and you could buy an entire suit, the jacket, shoes, pants, wow. belt, everything. Today, what would that $20 bill buy you? It wouldn't you couldn't buy a handkerchief for the $20 bill, but that 1 ounce of gold would still buy you even today, it would buy you an entire men's suit, shoes, belt